Now, I want to start this way. I want to start with these two scriptures. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Acts 10, 34. The Bible says that of a truth I have perceived that God is no respecter of persons. It is something that the apostle Peter came to an understanding that God is no respecter of persons because he saw that the Holy Spirit, as he was given to the Jews, he also came upon the Gentiles. That actually, while he was speaking, he didn't even have time to lead them through a confession prayer, you know, confess your sins. As he was talking, the Spirit of God poured on them. And so it's something we realize that actually God is no respecter of persons. That if I say that, but in every nation, he that fears God and works righteousness is accepted with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a truth, a defined truth, that God is no respecter of persons. A man of God has taught us that in the Old Testament, these men were exclusively anointed. The different men in the Old Testament, the prophets that read about in the Old Testament, the presence of God would come upon them for a particular purpose. And so you'll find that in every dispensation, there was always one man who stood out. But that is not so in the New Testament. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Like it is right now, there are different men of God out there serving God distinctively because God is no respecter of persons. A man of God has demonstrated through his life that God is no respecter of persons. That God can take any man from anywhere and make them great. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Another scripture in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. The Bible says, Be not deceived. There's the reason why it begins that way. Because some people are deceived. They think that God can be mocked. How do you know? It's in how they deal with life. They think that in doing what they do, somehow God is not saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. And it says, For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. That means that all of us are farmers. Hallelujah. All of us are what? Farmers of some sort. And it says whatsoever. That means whatsoever can be anything. Anything in your life can turn into a seed. And it says whatsoever man sows, that shall he reap. That also means that your life or life is predominantly a harvest. Does that make sense? Life is predominantly a what? A harvest. As opposed to some occurrence. Are you getting my point? That nothing, like you can't just be there and you're caught by surprise. It may look like you're caught by surprise, but when you really study the Bible, you realize that your life is largely, predominantly a harvest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means the person you are today is as a result of the seeds that you sowed yesterday. Are you following me? Then the next verse tells us something very powerful. He says, for he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh, not of the devil, shall of the flesh reap corruption. So corruption is as a result of sowing to the flesh. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. That means that there are two kinds of ground that is showing us there. That you can either sow to the flesh or you can sow to the spirit. And when you sow to the flesh, you are guaranteed to reap corruption. When you sow to the spirit, you're guaranteed of the spirit to reap life everlasting. 
Now for me, when I see those scriptures, it gives me great joy because it means that I can change my life. That means that there's nothing too difficult in your life that cannot be changed. It's not there. That's why the Bible says that God he is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He has the first word in your life and the last word in your life. No report cannot be changed. Say Amen. amen. No situation cannot be changed. Does that make sense? Because your life is largely a harvest. Pick it. You know, if, if you look at life from that angle, it will change how you do things. You can right now plan for your next 20 years by the seeds you are sowing now. You can guarantee, that's why he says that this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but shall meditate upon it day and night. Now, this is amazing. He says this book of the law. That means the book was before Joshua. He was actually reading the Bible. So for those who want to know how God speaks, be in the word, you'll hear God's voice. So yes, I say it's this book. That means as he was in the book, he had a voice telling him, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. What happens when you meditate? That you may observe. As you're meditating, you start to see how it's going to work. Say amen. Say amen. Because you see, wisdom is seen. Wisdom is something you see. Remember the Bible tells us concerning Solomon, that queen of Sheba, when she came and she saw the wisdom of Solomon, she marveled. There was no more breath left in her. Wisdom is something you see. Hallelujah. That's why he said that the eyes of your understanding may be flooded with light when the spirit of wisdom comes upon you. The eyes of your understanding are flooded with light and you start to see. You observe how it's going to work. Praise the Lord Jesus. And, and that's how the word of God is. It can just be a scripture about not when related to your situation, but as you're meditating therein, something happens to you. You start to see how it's going to happen. And then he says, once you see how it's going to happen, then he says, for then thou shalt make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Praise the Lord. This ministry is a word ministry. We believe in the word of God. We are taught the word of God because when you receive the word of God, you can change your life. I promise you. It doesn't matter how you came. The word of God is that thing that will give equal ground to anybody. It doesn't matter the, it doesn't matter the advantages some people have over you or the disadvantages you have before certain people. As long as you both receive the word of God, you can make your life tremendous. Praise the Lord! Because life is largely a harvest largely harvest in god we are all in equal ground hallelujah hallelujah it's not so much where you came from but what are you going to do with the word of god to transform your life so you, you don't need to wait until you're out of campus for example if you're in, if you're in school you know, it's okay. When I get out of campus, that's now. No, start now. Start entering the word. Speak into your life. Speak into your destiny. You know, the Bible says this mouth is like that rudder of a ship that there are winds that can be boisterous. Okay? But that big ship is controlled by this small rudder, the mouth. It's a small thing, but it boasts of great things. It can set a whole nation on fire, a whole forest on fire. The mouth. A man of God says, you talk, you talk, you talk. And when you're done talking, you do what? You talk. And after you've talked, what happens? You continue talking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You get these things and then you continue to speak them into your life. You define your life. You design your life by the word of God. Praise the Lord Jesus. One of the purposes of the heart is that in the heart, that's where when you look at um, Genesis chapter 6, I believe, it talks about the imagination of the thoughts of man's heart. Can you go there? The imaginations of the thoughts. Uh, I think it's 6-5. Can we together want to go? And God saw that of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was 
only evil continually now a man of god has taught us that there is such a thing as the law of first mission this is the first time heart is mentioned in the bible and it is related to the imagination of the thoughts so from your heart you define the imagination of thoughts imagination there is talking about the frame like how he said and god formed man out of the dust of the ground okay so you give form to the thoughts of your mind in your heart hallelujah hallelujah why is this important because the bible tells us that out of the heart flow the issues of life that means from the heart is the source of life and the boundary of life okay that the issues of life the source of it and then the boundary of it your life begins from your heart and your heart determines how far you will go are you getting it yeah and so how does that happen it's from the heart that you, you give imagery to your thoughts that's why the word of god has been given to you so that you can get the right images hallelujah hallelujah that's how you change your life my brother my sister that's how you change your life those things you know pray for me yes wonderful we can pray for you but at the end of the day you still need the word of god to transform your life say amen, amen. this word the bible says is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified the word can give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified who are the sanctified ones you can have a place amongst paul you can have a place amongst peter you can have a place amongst the great of the great the word of god can give you that place hallelujah hallelujah are you learning something so because of that how do you handle the word of god how do you treat the word of god i want to read for your scripture in matthew chapter 5 in matthew chapter 5 verse 19 can we read together one to go whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven but whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven let me present this to you there is such a thing as being called least in the kingdom of heaven and there is such a thing as being called great in the kingdom of heaven. It exists. A man of God has told us that we are all at different ranks. We are all stars, but every star differs in what? In glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Every star does what? Differs in glory. And now he's giving us a very powerful principle. When you go back to Matthew chapter 5 okay he says that whosoever therefore breaks one of the list of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least he will not be cast out of the kingdom no he will be called least he will stay in the kingdom <laughs> hallelujah i need to make that disclaimer he will stay in the kingdom but he will be called least in the kingdom you see there is a process in the making of greatness there is a process and it is important that you are great in the kingdom why because when you are great you are a blessing to the world are you hearing me yeah and it's god's desire this is god speaking to abraham he says i will make your name great abraham did ask for it okay he says i will make your name great and thou shall be what a blessing so there's a process he says and i will make of thee god has to make something of you hallelujah and then he says and i will bless you okay and then i will make your name great and what happens and thou shall be what a blessing there is a sort of process in this thing called greatness in this thing called being great in the kingdom he has to make something of you what has god made of you praise the lord jesus praise the lord jesus so he tells us one of these principles i'm talking about of the process of being made great when you go back to matthew chapter 5 
Matthew chapter 5. He says, Whosoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom. That means the way how this guy handles the word of God determines whether you are great or least. How do you treat the word of God? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In Isaiah 66, I like that scripture. Isaiah 66 verse 1. Can read together. One to go. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is what? My footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? So he's asking them, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Now, where is the house? Like, I am God. Hmm? And where is the place of my rest? Verse 2. For all what? Those things has mine hand what? Made. He's asking man, I have made all this stuff. What can you give me? And all those things have been, saith the Lord. Then he says something very powerful. He says, but to this man will I look. This man will I regard. This man will get my attention. Yes, I am God. I made everything, but there's a person that can keep Get my attention. Who is that kind of person? Even to him that is poor, that is therefore poor is humble. Humble and of a contrite, contrite there is broken. Humble and of a broken spirit and trembleth at my word. There's a way how he handles my word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, your attitude, the way how you treat God's word is exactly how he will treat you. Does that make sense? Jesus is the word of God made flesh. Isn't that so? He is the word of God. And the Bible tells us that God will honor you because you honor Jesus. And Jesus is the word. That means when you honor the word, God honors you. Listen to what the Bible says. He, God himself, has exalted his word himself. He has exalted his word above all thy name, all his name. He is the one who regards his word. Just imagine. God has regarded this word. So if you can regard what God regards. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do you treat the word of God? It says, this man I will have regard. This man I will look to. The one who trembles at my word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you go to John chapter 1. Verse 29. John chapter 1 verse 29. I want us to look at the lives of the disciples. The 12 disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, just a disclaimer. I believe in predestination. I believe that God can preordain certain people for certain things. And that is okay. That is wonderful. But also, a man of God has told us that there is a pattern to the election of God. He has mentioned it once in a statement. And so when I studied these guys, I began to see that it's a small pattern that I want to show you today. Very powerful pattern that I want to show you today. Now in John chapter 1 verse 29, we're looking at the disciples of Jesus Christ. How these guys came to meet Jesus Christ. Now in verse 29, the Bible says, And the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. This is John the Baptist. And said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he, he mentioned it and everybody had him. Continue, please. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Uh -huh. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with what? With water. Uh, continue. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. Okay? I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him this is he who baptizes with the holy spirit continue and i've seen and testified that this is the son of god so john is speaking and he says i have seen and testified that this is the son of god but the next day again the next day john stood with two of his disciples are you noting that yeah and looking at jesus as he walked he said behold the lamb of god 
verse 37. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Now these two were the first to follow Jesus. These two were disciples of John the Baptist. That means they understood a certain kind of order of the spirit. They were submitted to John the Baptist. It's like how some of you joined Fanera and you came from another church. You came from another place. You understood a certain order somewhere. But then you joined the ministry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So these two disciples, they had what the man of God of the day spoke about this Jesus. Because John the Baptist was the man of God of that day. The Bible says you rejoiced in his light. Okay? You are, he was a burning and a shining light and you rejoiced in his light for a season. So he was the man of God of the day. So he was speaking. He was declaring. And these guys were with him. They were following him. They were always with him. So they had everything he said about Jesus. Are you following me? Now, these disciples, these first two disciples, one of them is mentioned in John down there. One of them was Andrew. The other person is not mentioned, but I believe it was John. Because when you study other places in the Bible, the order in which the disciples are mentioned, they always mention Andrew, Peter, John, James, uh, Philip, Bartholomew, and then the rest. They always mention them in that order in all the versions. Okay, So, I believe that other disciple was John. John, the one who was writing this. Because, you know, usually when he's writing, he doesn't like to put himself in the story. He will say things like, the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's up to you to pick the frequency, okay? Are you following me? Let us go back. So, Andrew and John are the first to follow Jesus. Now he asks them a question when he saw them coming. Verse 38. Then Jesus stand and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? Notice, he asks them, what do you seek? Why does he do that? Because, remember, they are coming from a man of God. They are coming from a certain order. John the Baptist of the day was the burning light. So he wanted them to understand who exactly they are following. That's why he asked them, what do you seek? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They say to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, teacher, where are you staying? That's amazing. Verse 39, he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. Verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak, John the Baptist, and followed him was Andrew. Now Andrew was Simon Peter's brother. Now he first found his brother. Now after he had stayed, he was among the first two. So he came and stayed with Jesus. Then after that, he went and found his brother, Simon Peter and say to him we have found the messiah which is translated the christ i wanted to mark that very well andrew told peter that we have found the christ and so andrew brings peter to jesus and then jesus changes his name from simon and calls him Cephas. continue the following day jesus wanted to go to galilee and he found who philip and said to him follow me Remember the first two, he asked them, what do you seek? Because when they heard John the Baptist talk about Jesus, they followed. So he had to ask them, what do you seek? But when they came to Philip, he told him, follow me. Now, why did he tell him, follow me? The next verse. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. That means Philip was there when John the Baptist was declaring these things. Are you following me? Philip had John the Baptist, the, the testimony of John the Baptist about Jesus. But for some reason, it didn't enter his mind. He just brushed off. And that's why Jesus, when he meets him again, he tells him, follow me. Are you following it? Yeah? He asks him, you come, you come and follow me. Because there's something you have not yet caught. Whereas these guys who followed him at the beginning, he tells them, what do you seek? There's a difference. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Continue. Now, when Philip follows Jesus, now he goes and finds Nathanael. This is, and his other name is Bartholomew. Okay. And said to him, we have found him. 
It's amazing. He says, we have found him yet. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Uh-huh. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. So now, Philip goes and gets Bartholomew or Nathanael and tells him that we have found the guy. We have found who? The guy. Andrew went and called who? Simon Peter. You're following me? And so even John must have gone and told his brother James. Just like many of you, how you joined the ministry. Some of you, many of you, your families are now here. Isn't that so? Many of you, your, your parents are now praying from here. Your brothers are all here. There's something you had and then you went back. It's, it's the same old story. But what I wanted to note very keenly is that Andrew was in the first two people who followed Jesus. Now, in Luke 5, Luke 5 now happens. Luke 5 happens after this. Luke 5, Jesus finds these guys. Now, the scenario here is like, you hear about this man of God who has come into our city. Then you go and stay with him for just a few days. Then you leave, okay? So now, Jesus again finds these guys fishing. He finds uh, Peter, Andrew, uh, John, and James fishing. But that night, they had caught nothing. Now he tells them, that cast the net on the other side and they did that and then they were able to catch a great catch of fish now when they got that great catch of fish now something clicked in peter peter looked at jesus he said depart from me lord for i'm a sinful man there's something that jesus demonstrated there that caught peter's attention hallelujah hallelujah and so he says depart from me i'm a sinful man then jesus told peter no you relax follow me and i will make you a fisher of men and that's when they now leave everything okay that's when they leave everything and start to follow jesus are you following me so at first they had heard about him from john the baptist john the baptist told them this is the son of god this is the christ this is the guy okay whom the father told me but they didn't really quite follow then later on this example happens, this scenario happens, and now they start to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now in John chapter 2, John chapter 2 is when Jesus went, goes to a wedding at Cana, okay? And he went with his disciples. But at this time, the disciples who are following him were these six. Andrew, Peter, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew were following him. And then he turns water into wine. They saw it right before their eyes hallelujah hallelujah now the question is andrew was the first was in the first two people to follow jesus but how comes he's not in the top three because who are the top three we know about peter james and john but andrew should have been in that category isn't that so Answer me, isn't that so? He should have been in that category. But how comes he wasn't there? Yes, I believe in predestination. I know these people were chosen for a particular reason. But there is a pattern that I want to show you. Now, when you go to John chapter 6, the Galatians thing was talking about the three who are the pillars. They are the pillars, okay? That is Peter, James, and John. They are the pillars of the church in Israel. Now, in John chapter 6, verse 1, we begin to understand why these guys did not make it to the top three, even though they were invited. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, okay? Verse 2, then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were deceased. I'll continue. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, huh? Now the Passover a feast of the Jews was nigh. Huh? Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him. What happened? He said to who? Philip, where shall we buy bread? There's a reason why he's talking to Philip. Remember I told you, this Philip had when John the Baptist was declaring that this is the son of God. But he didn't follow. Like 
John and Andrew. Then later on, the next day, Jesus finds Philip and he tells him, follow me, you come. There's something you're not getting, you come. Now he gives him another test. He tells him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Are we together? But this he said to do what? To test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Now look at Philip's response. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Boom. Philip missed it again. Are you following me? The answer is right there. Jesus is the answer. is right there. They have seen him. He told them, throw the net on the other side. And they caught fish. They couldn't handle. The Bible says that the nets were breaking. The boats were sinking. Hallelujah. He was there when Jesus turned water into wine. The guy was there. Now he's testing him again. He says, what shall we do? Now Philip demonstrates his ignorance. And he says 200. He looks at the money they have and it's not enough. Next verse. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? They both missed it. There was a certain revelation they had not caught of the man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was something they had not caught. Yes, Andrew told Peter, this is the Christ, but it didn't sink in him. He didn't understand what he was saying to Peter. Are you following me? So Jesus is always extending opportunities to them. He says, okay, okay, now let me test you again and, and I want to see what you're going to do. Now again, he tests Philip. And go to John 14. Now in John 14 verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? Jesus said something. Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Look at verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have. Jesus has said it. Look at what Philip said. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough. Next verse. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you again say, show us? There is something he didn't get. So yes, it is true that there is predestination, but there is something they did not get. There is a revelation of Jesus Christ they did not pick in their hearts. How do I know? Look at how Peter behaved when he was around Jesus. He dared to walk on water. When Jesus... These guys saw Jesus walking on water. They thought it was a ghost. Now, Peter said, If it be you, Lord, bid me to come. Listen, listen, please. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come. And he said, What? The Bible didn't say he said to Peter. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says he said, come, any of you can. Peter walked out. Hallelujah. Another scenario in Matthew 16. He asked these guys, who do men say that I am? They then they began to say, you know, some say you are John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah, yalala. Then he said, who do you say that I am? It is Peter who spoke up and said, you are the Christ. But remember, there's Andrew who told him. <laughs> Hallelujah. That means, you know, there's a place you can speak the words of God, but they don't mean anything to you. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. It's Andrew told him. We read it. He says, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. We have found him. He told Peter. But Peter continued contemplating on these things. Hallelujah. Look at John and James. When you study the Bible, these guys were daring. They went to a place, like how you can go to a place and you're not received as a man of God. And, 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 and you're not happy. And then your sons want to cause violence. Okay? So, John and James, the sons of Zebedee, they said, we want to call down fire from heaven and consume all these guys. Now, Jesus, of course, warned them and said, guys, you don't know what spirit you're of. Okay? The son of man did not come to destroy but to save lives. But for me, I picked something there. These guys, they could dare to say it. They actually, in their minds, they knew they could do it. Oh, are you getting my point, eh? They knew they could actually do it. These John and James, same guys, are the ones who asked Jesus that when you go up to heaven, is it possible for you first to sit on your left-hand side and your right-hand side? The guys were sure that he was the one. And so you begin to realize, hey, so these guys were not chosen by accident. That's my point. They were not chosen by accident. When they were around Jesus, there's a way how they were free around him. There's a way how they, they, they knew that when they are with him, this man, when he says he can do it, I, we trust him. There's something they saw, which Andrew and Philip missed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Actually, when they said that I want to be on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side, what they said annoyed all the disciples. They're like, you guys, how can you ask such a thing? But I want you to understand this. They asked him. That means they really knew he could actually do it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What have you done with the word of God? Somebody can get born again before you and you overtake them. Just like Andrew. He's the one who called Peter. But Peter went ahead. It's a painful truth, by the way. Very painful. But it is true. But it's all around, it's all centered around what are you doing with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word of God can locate you from anywhere, anywhere and bring you up. You see, let me tell you. When you look at the man of God, Apostle Christ, it is very clear. It, you have to have a, a witch doctor to blind your eyes. It's very clear that the man has a certain relationship with the word. And that's why he is who he is. Look at any man of God that has been used mightily. There is a certain honor they have for the word. There's something they have made of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What have you made of this revelation? Are you following me? It is okay to borrow words that you hear from the altar. I'm a success, I can win. But have you come to the same conclusion? Or what does that make sense? When you study the Bible, have you come to the same conclusion as the man of God who said, I cannot die? It's okay to borrow the phrase, that's okay. But you go back and contemplate, understand these things. And come to the same understanding. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. You see, when you're relating with God, you always have, you need to maintain a childlike attitude. Hallelujah. When he says, lay hands on the sick, go and do it. He said it. You go and do it. Who is going to be ashamed? Is it you or him? It is him. I am just doing what he said. Hallelujah. Oh, I get my point. Praise the Lord. How do you relate with the word of God? Very important key. How do you handle the word of God? This thing will take you, let me tell you, from anywhere. You can be, our man of God has told us, you can be in the deepest village, but people will dig a hole to come and look for you. Why? Why? Because of how you treat the word of God. How you treat the word of God. How you take it in. You tremble. He says you tremble. Hey, there's a certain attitude you need to have when you're relating with the word of God. Hallelujah. He says, this man I will have regard. 
he who is of a humble and contrite spirit who trembles at my word. That one I'll have regard. That is how Peter caught the regard of Jesus. It wasn't because Jesus favored Peter. No. It wasn't because Jesus favored. That's why whenever, whenever he was going to heal the sick, did you, raise the dead, did you notice that he always wanted Peter, James and John? Did you notice? When he was going like maybe to heal somebody or raise somebody from the dead, he goes with Peter, James and John because these guys had faith. They were daring. Hallelujah. How do you treat the word of God? How do you relate with the word of God? How do you handle the word of God? The Bible says this word is able to build you. How do you deal with it? That thing, my friends, is what makes you great in the kingdom. Praise the Lord Jesus. Another aspect is on service. Okay, service. Service in the house of God. Are you learning something? Service in the what? House of God. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. But Jesus called them unto him. Now, uh, the example I had given when uh, James and John asked Jesus that we would want to sit on your right hand and on your left and the thing annoyed the other disciples. Now, Jesus observed it. And so he calls them to himself. And then he said to them, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them and they that are great exercise authority upon them. Continue. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. The word is there for minister is servant. Yet it shall not be so. Yeah, yeah. Whoever is great among you, let him be your servant. Another principle of greatness, another principle of walking in this thing called greatness is serving in the house of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A man of God says that when you enter Fanero, all of you are ministers because we believe in serving in the house of God. Hallelujah. But you see, there's a right mind in serving God. When you look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, can we read together? One to go. For do I now persuade men, O God? This is Paul asking. Or do I seek to please? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bound servant of Christ. Now he's introducing us to something very important. He says that when you are a servant of Jesus Christ, your intention is to please him, not man. Not man. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's another version, I think, I think it's in Timothy, where it says that, I want to go. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this that he may do what? Please him who enlisted him as a... And then the verse before you, Paul was telling Timothy, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we are all soldiers of Jesus Christ. All of us. And when we enter this army thing, he's saying that our mind in the army is to please the one who enlisted us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Not to please men. That order. You see, even in service, when um, Paul met these people from Macedonia, he said that these guys first gave themselves to God and then to us by the will of God. You give yourself firstly unto God and then to the man of God he has set before you by the will of God. But the mind here is to please him who enlisted you. Because when you please men, you are no longer a servant of Jesus. You are now become a servant of men. So you may ask, how do we please God? The Bible is very clear. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. That means serving God is an act of faith. It's a demonstration of faith. It's a place of faith. There are things you will go through. But you have to release your faith. Why? Because you are there to please him. And then the next part of that verse says that he who comes to God must believe, number one, that he is, and number two, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That means that when you are out to please God, 
Your mind is on his reward system. Not on the reward of men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Am I making sense? You're out to please him because you're interested in his reward. You have respect unto his reward. You respect the reward. And because you respect the reward of God, there is a way you will treat yourself. There is a way you will do things. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God has a different reward system from men. A man of God always tells us, let God introduce you. Let God put you up. Hallelujah. Whatever it is you're doing in the house of God, let this mind be in you. I'm here to please him, not man. And you see, there are principles, okay, that govern this reward system of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. One of them, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Can we together want to go? Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Okay? And each one will receive what? His own reward according to his... It's not according to his assignment. It's not according to his part. It's according to his labor in his part. That means that there can be somebody who is doing what you may think is menial, menial, okay? And they have a greater reward than the one who's in the pulpit. It is possible. Why? Because there's a way how they are laboring that the person on the pulpit, maybe a choir person or whatever it is, you know, the people just like to, they want to be on the, in the lights. Eh? <laughs> and you find that they are having a greater reward before God. It is possible, my friends. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The rewarding of God is according to your labor in your part. Your labor in your part. And these labors, the Bible has defined them, they are labors of love. The way how you treat people. He says, love believes the best of everyone. Do you believe the best of people as you're serving in the house of God? Love is patient. Love is kind. Are you patient? Are you kind? You'll be tested, but these are the areas you're laboring in love. And he says you're rewarded against your labor. Praise the Lord Jesus. I'm helping somebody. Okay? Go back please to that scripture. Next verse, verse 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Uh-huh. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But then he says something very important. He says, but let everyone take heed how he builds. Next verse. Next verse. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Continue. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, uh -huh. each one's work will be what? Will become clear for the day will do what? Declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will do what? Receive a reward. So he's telling you that there are different materials you can use in building. You can use gold, silver, uh, precious stone, hay, stubble, and, and straw. But we all know that the last three, when fire comes, it destroys the last three. Isn't that so? Wood, hay, and straw. So you may ask, what are these materials spiritually? These materials spiritually are in how you do it. Does that make sense? It's not what you're doing, but how you're doing it. Because remember, he told them that let every man take heed how he what? He builds. Take heed how you're doing it. How are you doing it? How are you serving in the house of God? Will define the material you will use. Does that make sense? For example, he says, let nothing be done in strife or anger or vain glory. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 3. 
Let nothing be done with strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem other better than... He's not giving you a certain way of how to serve. He says you do it with lowliness of mind. Lowliness of mind there is talking about humility. Okay? Let each one esteem other better than themselves. That means as you're serving in the house of God, you look at somebody better than you. That is the right way of serving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let nothing be done through strife. There are people who are serving, but they are doing it in strife. And it is, you know it because your conscience will tell you. You know it. You're in strife. You're in vain glory. Vain glory there is empty glory. There is nothing. It's just puffed up. Pride. There's nothing of it. Clouds without rain. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Especially people who love the lights. And they will do anything to be in the light. It's okay to be in the light. For example, I'm standing here. It's okay. Okay. But there are people who love it. Does that make sense? So he's telling you, let nothing be done in strife of vain glory, but with lowliness of mind, let each esteem another better than themselves. Verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Be interested in the things of other people. That is a way of serving. A how. And when you do that, you're building with gold, by the way. That's how you build with gold. Building with gold is not like um, digging a deep mystery. No. That's how you build with gold. And a man of God, when you study his life personally, you know, he always tells us that ministry really on the pulpit is like 20% or 10%. Ministry really is off pulpit. You realize this man is the, my goodness, the definition of humility. It is so clear. It is, you can't miss it. You have to be demon possessed to miss it. Hallelujah. Am I making sense? It is in how. It's in how you do it. And he's telling you how. Let nothing be done in strife. Always check your heart. The heart is the most important thing. God will reward you according to your heart. It's very clear in the Bible. It's very, very clear. First Chronicles somewhere. God looks to and foot to show himself strong to him whose heart is perfect towards him. And a man of God has told us that the, the perfect heart is one that is established in hope, faith, and love. Established in the love of God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Actually, when you study the Bible very well, you realize that the fruit of the Spirit is the character for any anointing. You look at those things very well. Love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. You're not. You realize that when a man has those things, they can handle any glory. Any. Any. Because it says against such there is no law. No law can work against this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. Praise the Lord Jesus. This is the thing that will make you ready for marriage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By building the right character in your spirit. He talks about walking worthy of the call. There's such a thing as walking worthy of the call. It is there in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2. Can we read together? I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you do what? Of the vocation wherein ye are. Now he tells you how. Verse 2. With and 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 in verse 3 endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace it tells you how to walk worthy but yes it is true you have been called all of us have been called it is true but there is such a thing as walking worthy that means you equate to what has called you You have the same value. When somebody looks at you and says, yeah, you're supposed to be there. But it tells you how. It's very clear. It says with lowliness and meekness. Verse 2, please. 
with lowliness and meekness there's such a thing as lowliness lowliness there is talking about the humility of the mind actually another version calls it the humility of the mind and then meekness there are two words used for humility there is the humility of the mind and then there is the fruit of the spirit which is humility there are two words yes lowliness of mind humility and meekness that is unselfishness gentleness mildness then it says with patience bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another humility of mind there's such a thing i've read in scripture where it says humble yourself have you read it in scripture humble yourself before the in other words there's a humility that comes to you because of the fruit of the spirit but then there's a place where you can humble yourself in other words you condition your mind a certain way and he tells us all the things are in the bible he tells us for example when you go back to philippians it says esteeming somebody better than you that is how you humble yourself by the way humbling yourself is not not like the batoro <laughs> hallelujah humbling yourself is not kneeling down it's okay to kneel down it's okay to you can find a guy quarreling then when he sees the man of god but that's not humbling yourself Humbling yourself is a certain kind of mindset you have. And you're told you in Philippians, let each esteem other. That is humbling yourself. You look at somebody as better than you. That is you humbling yourself. And there are other examples in the Bible listed. So my point is that there is a way, there is a right way when it comes to service. There's a mind you need to arm yourself with when you're in service. You're there to please him faithfulness is another example when he says who is that faithful and wise servant whom his lord will find him doing it's in matthew chapter 24 matthew 24 verse 45 can we together want to go who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season the word is there for due season is kairos 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 is the timing of god there is such a thing as chronos which is the human time from 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, up to 12, human time, chronos. But then Kairos is the timing of God, which invades that human time for the purposes of God. Now he's saying that there is such a thing as the Lord putting you ruler over a household to give them mute in Kairos. That there is a specific time. You know, being faithful and wise is more than just being available and commitment that is involved in faithfulness and wisdom but there's also such a thing as the timing being aligned to the timing of god does that make sense yeah because you can do everything but you're out of time so you look like you're a busy body but why you get my point eh? i ever met those people who yeah they do it right but they're always missing it like at the time when you need them, is not available, but it's always available. Has that ever happened to you? The guy, honestly, he's always, you know, he's, he's there to clean, for example, at home, you know, he's there to clean things, what? But in that moment when you need him, like, why oh, his phone is off, or oh, the battery has died, I've seen those things, then you're like, I need this guy now. Yes, he's available, he's faithful and available, but there's something about timing. At that time when the Spirit of God needs you, you're not there. So he says, he talks about the place where he makes them ruler to give them meat in due season in the right timing. Then he says, verse 46, okay? He says, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Notice this guy is found doing it. He's not looking out for when the, when the master will come. Does that make sense? The master finds him doing it. Hallelujah. The master finds him what? Doing it. He's not there looking out. Hey, Apostle has come. No, you're found doing it. There's a mind. There's a mind. There's a right mind. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Am I helping somebody? What happens? Verse 47. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his. This is a reward system. You're always found doing it at the right time. You're found. You're not looking out. When you actually study, I think it's somewhere in Matthew, 
where he talks about uh, the different nations when they'll be divided and then uh, some are called the sheep and then the goats, right? And read together, one to go. And before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the next verse and he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his what i'll continue then shall the king say unto them on his right hand come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world continue for i was hungry and he did what i was thirsty and he did what i was a stranger and you took me continue i was naked and you did what i was sick and you did what I was in prison and you did what? Now look at what this guy said. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you naked? You know, as you are not conscious as you are doing it. I want you to pick that. They are not conscious as they are serving. They are not looking for when the master will come. So they're asking, hey, when were you hungry and we fed you? When were you, you know, thirsty and we gave you a drink? When were you naked? And then he told them, oh, no, what you did, the least you did to me. Next verse. When he talks to the other people, then he said to those on his left, depart from me. <laughs> These are heavy words. You cast into everlasting fire prepared for the devils and his angels. Uh -huh. Look at what he said. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. Continue. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Look at how, what they asked. And they said to him, Lord, when did we see you? There's a difference in attitude there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like, hey, but, but when did we see you and you didn't do it? No, we should have done it when we saw you. These guys are like, hey, when were you hungry and we fed you? Like they were always doing it and he was nothing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a right way to serve God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. It's God who takes notice. Don't be there trying to make men notice. No. You do your thing and leave that noticing to God. Let him notice you. Let him see you doing it and let him reward you. Let him put you up. Let him cause the world to listen to you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You go back and take time to study that scripture. You will see what I'm saying. Hallelujah. There's a right way to serve God. So there's a right mind as you're serving God. I want you just to speak in other tongues for just one or two minutes. Come on, speak in other tongues. And thank God for the ministry of the word. Whatever it is you've understood in this sermon, whatever it is that God has helped you understand, just thank God for it and take it in. Father, we give you praise. We thank you so much. Oh, Come on, speak in other tongues.
God is here and is ministering to you in a special way. If you're sick and you're in this place, receive your healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive your healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive your miracle right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. We thank you so much for the things that you have taught us. And indeed, our hearts are open to receive even more from you in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak to everyone in this place that this week is a great week in the mighty name of Jesus. And this week, you're going to enjoy God. You're going to receive a miracle. You're going to receive a call from the least expected places in the mighty name of Jesus. I decree the blessing of God. May the Lord's face shine upon you this week. May all those deals you're chasing go through in the mighty name of Jesus. Those business ideas, may you receive that contract in Jesus' name. May you receive that promotion in the mighty name of Jesus. Let that child who left home come back this week in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise and we thank you because it is so and not otherwise in Jesus' name. I would like to give an opportunity if you are out there and you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, say, Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for me and I believe that you raised him from the dead. And with my mouth, I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I am born again in Jesus' name. Amen.